Well, while most of us don't need others to help us fight a war, every one of us has the need for support. So to help us do that better this afternoon, I'm going to talk about the relational need for support. Before we go there, let's pray. Daddy, thank you that uh, you are the first one who has initiated support and care to us in so many ways. Spiritually, life, health, sustenance, friendships, family. I welcome you, Lord, to teach us how to be like you. To be like Jesus who comes alongside and extends care and love. So much so, Lord, that perhaps those around us would say, wow, you remind me of Jesus. Father, I pray for our guests that are here that they would uh, find you and know you better today. And might we be a transformed people. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, support is something probably at some level that we shouldn't have to even talk about. Uh, What does support look like? How can that work? But as it being one of the identified top ten relational needs, I felt it important. And even as we uh, approach uh, in our community group this Halloween outreach, there's an opportunity for support there from others. And it's interesting to me, Clara used the word support a whole bunch of times in her little spiel there. And I'm not sure she really even cognizanted the uh, fact that that's what I'm touching on. But the fact that we can come alongside uh, Bill and Jeanette and support them in prayer. Uh, in this season of attack is a great way to bring support. So let me give you a definition of support. Support is to come alongside and gently carry a problem or struggle, to assist or to provide for. Throughout my life, I have uh, experienced the need for support and the meeting of that need by loving care from others. Uh, I was raised in a godly home uh, by loving parents that gave me a lot of support. Um, A godly Christian businessman paid for about a third of my college education. Uh, Claire and I have been married for almost 30 years now, and she has been my greatest help and support. Uh, Her parents supported us by helping us to buy our very first home. And I've had a lot of great Christian bosses who have been very, very supportive of my involvement in church ministry. Numerous pastors and friends have encouraged me, supported me during difficult times in my life. And many of you, as dear friends and partners in ministry, are a great encouragement and support to me as well. Everyone needs support. Children need support from their parents. They need help with their homework. They need a ride to the game. They need help learning how to drive. Parents need support from their children to help with chores around the house, uh, submission, understanding uh, regarding family life. Wives need support from their husbands to take time to listen to them, to hear what is really happening in their lives, their emotions and their feelings. Husbands need support from their wives to respect and value their input. Friends need support from their friends to help them move, to help them fix their car, to help them enjoy their ski boat maybe. Charles Dickens once wrote, No one is useless in this world who lightens the burdens 
of another. There's a lot of examples in the Bible of uh, support. Uh, I'm just going to identify two. Uh, One that uh, perhaps we don't think about, but it is a kind of support that is often needed. And in the case of Jesus in his life, he needed the support of his disciples. And one particular night, he very much needed that support. The night before he was crucified, Jesus and his disciples had completed the Passover and they had uh, walked to the Mount of Olives uh, to a garden there. And Jesus was experiencing a, a tremendous amount of emotional sorrow and distress. And he desired company. He desired support in this time of distress. Matthew 26, 37-39 shares it this way. Jesus took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here. Stay awake with me. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed. Many of us would know the rest of the story, that they were unable to stay awake. They'd had a huge meal. They'd been up a long time. It's the middle of the night. We can have some understanding. But Jesus needed their support. He needed them to come alongside And to help him carry this burden. Three times he came asking them, can can you wake up? Can Can you be with me? And they missed the ability to do that for him. Jesus needed the support. Support in this application in this particular time is coming alongside. These disciples couldn't fix that problem. They couldn't change the fact that Jesus would be facing the cross the next day. Many of our friends, many of you, are facing challenges, difficulties that we can't fix. They they could be financial. They could be health. They could be a job situation. But is there support that we can bring? A call. How are you doing? Can I pray with you? A card. And I think that that's one of the challenges that we face is, I know for me, it's hard to know how to support when I can't fix it. I think a lot of us can relate well to fixing. Somebody's got a challenge in their life, we just need to give them the right information, and it'll take care of everything. And it does, occasionally. But I think the bulk of the time, what many are experiencing is not something that is easily fixed. We can give counsel, we can give coaching that might point some direction to help, but they still need support, even if we can't fix it. The Apostle Paul received support from a young man named Timothy. Paul was an evangelist, a church planter, a a pastor of pastors. He traveled around the world of his day, sharing and ministering to others, and in one of his letters, he speaks of the incredible burden that he carries in his heart for the needs of all these churches that he is connected with. Timothy was a young man that Paul had spent a lot of time and energy building into his life, as he had done with others. Paul had poured himself into this young disciple. But with Timothy, Paul experienced a very significant return from that investment. In Philippians chapter 2, we see Paul commenting on Timothy's support back to him. 
I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has helped me in preaching the good news. The burden of the needs of these churches was greater than Paul could handle. Paul needed the support of others to adequately care for the needs of these many. Timothy was one individual who laid down his own personal needs, his own goals and objectives to share this burden of caring for others alongside Paul. In a similar way, in our day and age, no one pastor or leader can adequately care for the many needs of those in a local church. Every person in this church needs someone that they can look to as a coach, as a shepherd, as a leader. Each of us needs someone close enough who knows us by name, who knows our children by name, who knows our job situation, someone with whom we can be vulnerable about our marriage, our relationship with God, what's happening inside of our hearts and minds, someone who can pray for us and coach us in our lives. In our church, the place where that can best take place is in community groups. I'm going to give you a definition for a community group so you can understand this. A community group is a group of 5 to 15 people who meet weekly and form the basic unit of Christian community. Its purpose is to provide a place where members gather around the presence of Jesus, support one another as a family, reach out to the hurting world, grow to become like Jesus, and form new groups through evangelistic outreach and multiplication. Each community group is intended to be led by not just one, but a team of people who advocate or champion the four primary elements of community group, which, uh, again, as a reminder, are upward element, which has to do with our relationship with God. There is our inward element, which has to do with the relationships with those in our group. There is an outward element, which is our relationship with those outside our church. And then a forward element, which has to do with our own growth and development as a follower of Jesus. There's a a tendency in our culture to sit back and sort of let others lead and serve. But God has called us to be a Christian family. And in a healthy family, every family member participates in the household chores. There's a, a sharing of responsibilities. Everybody has a part. Everybody shares the load. That's what it needs to look like in our church and in our community groups. We all need to support one another and what God is doing in our midst. For the last six weeks uh, or so, I have been uh, working in a counting temp position as a result of uh, our church no longer being able to uh, support my full-time salary. So Uh, Prior to my working outside the church, I had, of course, more time to prepare and and lead various meetings, including my community group. But now that my life is a lot more like the rest of yours, uh, I don't have as much time as I used to. So a few weeks ago, uh, my community group and I reviewed the needs and the roles of our group, and I invited everyone to sign up to partner to carry the load, 
to share in the roles and responsibilities. And uh, they're doing that. And it's an awesome, awesome thing. And we need that kind of place where we are known, where we can bring support as well as be supported. I think way too often we're alone in our fight, so to speak. And what we need is to gather and welcome others around us. I know that some of you can't make those because of work commitments and situations, family situations. But again, I would highly, highly, highly encourage all of you. A Sunday afternoon, hour and a half, is not sufficient for the relational health, the spiritual health that we each have and need. And I would highly encourage you to join us in one of those. All right. Um, let me talk about just briefly uh, some ways that we can love others by giving support. Again, there's you know, probably an unlimited uh, number of these, but um, here's uh, six that I would like to highlight. One, we can anticipate and notice periods of high stress in other people's lives and be available to help, to come alongside. Uh, times of stress can be produced by uh, busy schedules, uh, unemployment, illness, death in a family, divorce, financial instability, domestic problems, a move, uh, pressure from work or school. And these stressful times can produce more pressure than one person can bear, in which case the support of others can be helpful. Now, as I've already highlighted, we may not be able to fix those financial issues. We may not be able to fix those health issues. We may not be able to fix the amount and level of pressure or stress from work. But we can come alongside and support by offering care and offering prayer. But we've got to be alert. We've got to be thoughtful. We've got to be watching. And we've got to be in enough relationship with people that we even notice. And so that's, again, a a good reason for uh, community groups because there is a, a broader sharing in those settings to be known and to know others. A few years ago, I... Uh, had experienced a very overwhelming week. And uh, in the midst of it, I got a card in the mail from my daughter, Joy. And it said, when the going gets tough, the tough get a car. Hang in there. I love you, Joy. And that really hit the spot for me. I mean, it, it brought encouragement, but it brought support. I wasn't so alone in the challenge I faced. That same day, I got a call from three people from our church, all on a speakerphone, to tell me they loved me and that they were for me. Didn't cost a whole lot for those opportunities of expression of care, but they meant a huge amount to me. The Apostle Paul wrote about this in Galatians 6 too. He said, Bear one another's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And Jesus told us what that law of Christ was in John 15:12 when he said that you love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment. And so as we are investigating how how can we love others? How can we fulfill this law of Christ, this commandment of Christ to love others? One way is to come alongside and give support. 
when we come alongside others, whether they're doing well or whether they're going through rough times, we're fulfilling our relational purpose in life. We're being successful according to success in God's eyes. Secondly, we can offer to use personal resources to help support others. Using our own personal resources can not only meet a practical need of those we're ministering to, but the individual will also be uniquely blessed and encouraged when they know that we're sharing from out of our own resources. 1 John 3.17 touches on this. It says, If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, where is God's love in you? It isn't there. A number of times when Claire and I have known a family was really struggling financially, we have sent money anonymously uh, to give that uh, support and care. And this kind of help that I'm describing now doesn't have to be anonymous, but there's a kind of power that comes from an anonymous support and gift in this way. It's as if God is the one helping the person. And in reality, that's true. How many of you have received an anonymous gift of support financially at a time when it proved to be really helpful? Lots of folks here. The rest of you, just let us know. We'll make sure that happens for you. So, a way that we can lend support is to be available to help. Secondly, to offer personal resources. Thirdly, to be willing to become personally involved in the lives of others. Perhaps one of the biggest challenges, sometimes it's easier to send money than to come alongside and actually offer a hand. If we're going to support someone, we're going to have to become involved in their life. We're going to have to ask questions. We're going to have to find out what's going on. We're going to have to spend time being with them, listening to them, observing how they're doing, and to help them determine how we can be of help. Sometimes people don't have a clue how we can help them, and we don't either. But in conversation, in investigation, in hearing their story, often the Holy Spirit can drop into our minds an idea, a way, a means to be able to extend support that we perhaps never would have thought of before. I think that may be one of the reasons that so few people feel supported in our society. We often seem to have so little time to share that precious commodity with others is hard. But when we do, when we will personally become involved, people feel supported. And we feel good for having helped. The Apostle Paul spoke of this aspect of becoming personally involved in the lives of others when he said to the Thessalonians, So deeply do we care for you that we are determined to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. So personal involvement, personally hearing the story of others, knowing what's happening in their lives, coming alongside. Fourthly, be willing to do menial tasks to help others. Many times people, when they're under a lot of stress, the simplest tasks can seem overwhelming. If we can jump in and help them out by doing some of their chores or helping them in that situation, releasing them from certain responsibilities, it can often be a great support. One of the families in our church, Jamie and Patsy Boozer, have uh, just recently moved into a new home. 
And while they didn't need a lot of support moving, uh, I was able to offer and support them a couple of times. And uh, Jamie actually is also planning a trip where he is going to be flying over to uh, California to rent a truck and bring some of their items back. And we've at least entered a dialogue about the possibility of me flying over with him and driving back to bring a support uh, of helping him drive and hang out with him. Uh, Yesterday I needed um, to repair my gas grill because uh, we're going to use our gas grill at our Halloween outreach coming up on Tuesday night. We're going to fry up hot dogs and we're going to offer chips and drinks and games and all kinds of things. And uh, I needed help. uh, I needed it fixed. And so Benjamin, my son-in-law, came alongside and supported and helped. And not only did he repair the part that was broken, he cleaned it. He oiled it. He lubed it. I mean, it's about a revved up little engine here. I don't know. It's, it was it was amazing. Had about an inch of metal flake junk stuff all over. Anyway, it's really cool. So that's awesome. A few weeks ago, uh, Daniel, my son-in-law, helped me fix my lawnmower. My, it was it was barely running, and I have a half-acre piece of property, and so you know, pushing an electric lawnmower with an extension cord is really not the best option for my yard, which is the other fallback piece. And so Daniel happened to be over. They come over. Daniel and Esther come over usually once a week, and we have dinner as a family together. Anyway, he went outside and did something I would never do, pulled off the carburetor, took the carburetor apart. There was gunk inside, and he cleaned it out, and I'm just amazed. I mean, I'm fairly mechanical. I've done a lot of things, but pulling a carburetor apart, that doesn't... that. I don't do that, but he did, and uh, it has run awesome ever since. So, you know, these are ways that we can come alongside. There are opportunities to serve, to support through menial tasks, and we need to be thoughtful. Are there ways that we can do that? And, we've again, we've got to listen. We've got to hear what's happening in people's lives. We have to be willing to spend us to come alongside and do that. Fifthly, we can show support of others by publicly honoring them. Too often, if we don't fully agree with a decision that someone's made or a course of action they're going to take, it could be at work, it could be at church, it could be in the family, we might grumble, we might complain to others, and that's not being supportive. In fact, we're undermining their decision. Jesus said in Luke 11:23, anyone who isn't helping me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. A very important place to do this is, of course, in the workplace with our bosses. But another place can be in the home with your spouse. Many times there's a decision that's made between a couple about some issue. One feels strongly, the other might simply be uh, submitting, going along with it. Sometimes if they're not careful, they might undermine that joint decision by not fully supporting it with maybe, say, the children. Let's imagine, here's an example, a husband and wife decide that the TV is to be off by 9.30 and the kid's in bed by 10. School's the next day. The wife's away at a meeting. The kids say, come on, Dad, just this once. Can't we stay up and watch, you know, whatever? Dad, wanting to be the good guy, says, yeah, sure. Then Mom comes home. She gets upset. The decision wasn't upheld. And she looks like the bad guy. But who's the bad guy? The guy. The dad. 
He didn't honor. He didn't uphold. He didn't support the decision that they had. We, Claire and I have never had a situation like that, so that's uh, good. It's, it's crucial to learn to truly support one another at home, at work, here at church. Every decision is not a perfect decision. No one scores 10 every time. No one hits a home run every time they come to bat. And yet we are still called to support one another. And we need to do that publicly by affirming others and their decisions. And then a last one, which again could perhaps be, well, duh, but a way that we can support others is to honestly and genuinely pray for them. To take time to go to God and welcome him to give them the peace, the strength, the wisdom, the healing, the direction that they need. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, Paul says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. As you make your requests, plead for God's mercy upon them and give thanks. Pray this way for kings and all others who are in authority so that we can live in peace and quietness in godliness and dignity. I've touched on that that many of the challenges that those around us face are, are not something we can fix. That they may not be simple in their resolve, but we can genuinely call upon the God of all who has the power and authority to interject and to bring life where there is a challenge. And so I would advocate that we are called to come alongside, to carry one another's burdens. And often, that's going to look like simple expressions. But I tell you, those simple expressions can bring great life and great good. I think way too often we do way too much talking, too much complaining, and not enough praying. I know I do. So there are six... Uh, practical suggestions on how to support others. And I want, this morning as I was um, having my devotional time, I was in Acts chapter 4. And while I was reading uh, chapter 4, verses 32 through 37, I was just struck by the life that that early community experienced. So I want to read to you a couple of verses. They're not on the screen because this is fresh, right off the press. If you would like to turn there. Acts chapter 4. Starting at verse 32. Talking about support. Now the whole group of those who believed, which were thousands by the Remember, 3,000 came to Christ on that first day and 5,000 more have just 
come to Christ. So the church is about ten grand, probably thereabouts, roughly. The whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. We have in our congregation currently um, three people that are out of work. Um, Myself, who is looking for work. And then another individual who has been working but hasn't been paid for a long time and had been working, looking for work. Some of these individuals are facing significant financial distress. They're not making it without the income. And the scriptures are sharing a principle, a practice here that honestly we know nothing about in our society today. I have never heard of a church that knows how to do that today. I don't really quite grasp how it was then. I mean, it sounds pretty radical. And probably it would have to be. But I wonder if there isn't a way to move in the direction of of becoming a community where people know that there is support when they're going through a difficult financial time. I want to share also from 1 Corinthians. At the time that uh, Paul is writing 1 and 2 Corinthians, there has been a a drought and a um, famine in uh, the area of Judea, um, in the area of Israel. Paul is out, you know, working with churches all around the um, Mediterranean area. And those back in Jerusalem and Judea who founded and started the church uh, and launched out these various efforts were struggling desperately. And Paul and others made the suggestion, hey, how about if we take up a collection among all these other churches And in 1 Corinthians, chapter 16, he refers to this, and then he comes back to it in 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 16, 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, you should follow the directions I gave to the churches of Galatia. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside and save whatever extra you earn so that collections need not be taken when I come and when I arrive I will then send those on with those monies now we have typically in the church looked at that passage and said 
So therefore, let's collect an offering on Sundays to collect the tithe. The first day of the week. That's what Sunday is. But that's not what that passage is about. The passage is about a special offering. Something that's beyond and above the normal giving of the tithe for that local church and community. A setting aside every week whatever is extra. Now, one of the troubles we all have here is none of us have any extra because we're living beyond our means. I've, I'm not teaching on finances. I, I'm going to be done with this section in just a moment. But I, I do want to suggest that it, it is true that the average American lives on 110 to 120 percent of their income. That doesn't work. I'm an accountant. <laughs> you can't every month spend 110 percent of your income. Eventually, you declare bankruptcy. Now, the financial things that we face, the losing of a job, the not being able to acquire sufficient work, I mean, not every bankruptcy necessarily, but I mean, as a whole, come on, let's just be real, as a whole, much of the debt that we carry as individuals is because I wanted another this or another that, or this new thing came out and I needed it today, and I didn't want to wait till I had the cash. And I think we've one of the reasons we cannot do what they did in Acts chapter 4 and chapter 2, for that matter, is because we're not living a lifestyle of principles and patterns and practices according to God. Turn to Second Corinthians chapter 8. Second Corinthians happens to be the book right after First Corinthians, in case you needed to know that. And then after that is go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. At least that's what I learned when I was 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In 1 Corinthians, we heard him referring to what they needed to do, and now he's sending them another letter, and in it he's speaking again about this special offering. And really, the whole chapter of 8 and even all of 9 is about this, and I'm not going to read it all because, again, that's not our our point, but I want to read just a couple of verses here. Starting at verse 8. I do not say this as a command, but I'm testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. One of the few places in Scripture where comparison seems to be okay. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I am giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something, now to finish doing it, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means." For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need in order that there may be a fair balance." Again, here is a a principle, a practice of care 
in the large community of Christ. And I, I think at some level, at a large level, this is managed pretty well. The New Orleans uh, tragedy of a few years ago with the, the hurricane, the uh, amount of money that came in from local churches towards care uh, in that was huge. The, the vineyard itself, I think, raised $15 million just out of 600 churches. I don't know how much it was, but it was a very, very significant amount of money. It just came flooding in and was able to be helped and benefit. So in a similar, that's, that's this larger picture that might parallel better what Paul is describing here. We've got a famine going on in Jerusalem, and he's inviting lots of churches to help out in that time of trouble. But we are a local church, and there is a principle here that needs to be drawn from that, and that is that as some of ours here have lost their jobs or their work, there needs to be support. Not that anyone else would suffer, but that there would be, as he says, fair balance. Again, I've never seen a church. I've never heard of a church doing that. I'm sure there are. I've not heard of it. I don't really know how to do this. But this is what my sense of leading from the Holy Spirit is today. At the very least, I would like to take a special offering this afternoon for those who are without work and who don't have financial income. And I want to take what comes in today to go out to those immediate needs. Beyond that, I'm wondering if we might as individuals, I no way to sort of you know pull this off as an as a entire community or you know, no laws and structures and all that. But I wonder if we could consider the fact of possibly as we bring our tithe on the first day of each week, that perhaps we might each one consider on a weekly, maybe a monthly basis, giving towards the special needs within our body, above and beyond our tithe that meets the needs for salary and facilities and the trailer and <laughs> all of that kind of stuff that, that goes on. I wonder if we could begin to include a second check to go towards the needs of those among us. I wonder if you get a bonus or, an inc- or a, a raise, if I get a bonus or a raise as I go into the workforce again, if perhaps maybe those funds, rather than being the ability to be able to go buy that thing that we hadn't been able to buy, could become that surplus that becomes resource for others when they're out of work. Just a thought. I, I don't know. This is I'm not advocating. I am advocating something. I'm not advocating a particular something. It's an idea. It's a thought. Again, I want to honor and highlight. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of fair balance. I don't. I, I didn't take the time. Didn't have the time to look up. Uh, what Paul meant by that, I would need to do some research. What in the world does he mean by fair balance? Um, so I would like, uh, if I could, to have uh, some of the folks come with the baskets again. I'd like to pause, and I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray for those who are without work, that God would provide that those jobs that are needed. But I also would like to pray that the Holy Spirit would move in us as a community of people to find out how we can care and support one another in this way.
We're talking about support. It's one thing to give somebody a call and ask them how they're doing and to pray with them. It's a good thing. It's very meaningful. But it's a whole other thing to write a check for $200 or $1,000. So if you could, I know some of you are not prepared. You know, you don't bring checkbooks anymore. Um, some of you don't have any money in your checkbook, even if you brought it. Um, so if you're not prepared this week, then if you would, um, just next Sunday, uh, bring an amount, cash, check, no credit card, sorry, um, and put it in a separate envelope, though. Just bring an envelope from home. Once upon a time, we had these boxes of fancy envelopes. I'm sure we still do. They're probably in storage someplace. I don't know. Anyway, just bring it in an envelope and say, for the care of others, the support of others. And we're just going to kind of begin to set aside on the first Sunday of every week, the first uh, day of each week, to set aside something that will be available to help those on a rainy day. Let's pray. Daddy, you are uh, the provider. And you have taught us to pray that we um, would have our daily bread. That we would experience uh, your manna provision on a daily basis. Lord, we live in a, a society that is so different economically and culturally from uh, the New Testament church. And yet, at the heart of it, we're no different. We're people with jobs who earn a living, who need money for home and family and food. Father, I pray that you would begin to work in our hearts about our view of money and your view of money. Father, would that we could be renewed in our minds and transformed into the kind of people who actually have a surplus. The ability to give, as Paul says later in 2 Corinthians there, the ability to give to every good work. Father, that is your heart for every Christian. Father, I pray as well for those uh, here among us who are struggling financially, whose a debt load is um, higher than, uh, than, they can, than they can pull off, and the pain of that. Lord, uh, many uh, simply just as a result of, of circumstances and situations that they had no control over. Then there are situations, Lord, where we had control and we didn't have control. And I pray for them as well. Lord, that you would bring relief and healing, that we would find the way on as a people to honor your principles, to live according to your scriptures, and to find the fruit that you promise in your word for those who follow your principles of honoring you with the first fruits. Father, for those who are yet without work, who are um, not having sufficient to pay the bills, I welcome you to bring provision 
through whatever means you desire and want to. And it would be cool if it was our church. No, we don't. We can't fix world hunger. We can't fix the U.S. debt issues. We can't fix many of the financial challenges that people in our congregation face. But Lord, we can come alongside and support some here, those we know. Father, I welcome you to bring jobs, better jobs, even for those who have jobs. Lord, and that you would teach us how to manage our monies so that that surplus is there to give on a weekly basis beyond the tithe, out of the surplus for the care of others. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that you are the God of all provision. And we welcome you. Help us to become a people who support one another, who support those in the workplace, who support our bosses. Lord, that there would be something very different about us, a mark about us because we're Christians. Lord, so often it's a bad mark in the world these days. Let us shine forth as stars, O Lord, in your sky. Let people be able to say, wow, you really remind me of Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. So we could have um, those baskets. I had an envelope. Oh, there it is. We only have one basket? The other one's, okay. Anyway, there it goes. I always had this dream of having um, a big trash can with a basketball hoop kind of on the back of it and having everybody kind of come up and, you know, do the big dunk into the trash can, but we've never done anything quite like that. Anyway. Hey, also as a part of our service, we provide an opportunity to uh, pray uh, with you. And so uh, if I could have some of the folks come forward who uh, help us in that way, if uh, you would like to pray with and bring encouragement to others, you can do that. Some of you have come this morning with burdens, like I've described. Some are different than that. They're relational challenges. Uh, Some of you may be um, just needing wisdom. Uh, You've got a decision to make. Some of you, like Bill and Jeanette, may be facing Uh, just significant odds, whatever those might be, Uh, perhaps even in your relationship with God, maybe your quiet time isn't happening and and you really need some support, somebody maybe to come alongside, some accountability to help you. Um, We've got folks that would uh, be here that would love that opportunity to pray with you, uh, to share and come alongside uh, in that way. And then, of course, our community groups are also another place where you can uh, be known and have that same uh, kind of support. So glad to have you here. Glad you were able to join us. Hope you'll come back next week if you would like prayer, someone to talk with. Uh, There'll be folks up here at the front who would love to do that with you. God bless and have a great week.